Chapter Thirteen of the House of Whispers by William Lacroix. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. What Flockhart foresaw. The following afternoon was glaring and breathless. Gabrielle had taken Stokes with May Spencer, a girlfriend visiting her mother, and driven the sixteen over to Conican with a message from her mother, an invitation to Lady Murray and her party to luncheon and tennis on the following day. It was three o'clock, the hour when silence is upon a summer house party in the country. Beneath the blazing sun, Glencardine lay amid its rose gardens, its cut beech hedges, and its bowers of greenery. The palpitating heat was terrible. The hottest day that summer. At the end of the long, handsome drawing-room, with its pale blue carpet and silk-covered furniture, Lady Habern was lolling lazily in her chair near the wide, bright steel grate, with her inseparable friend James Flockhart standing before her. The striped blinds outside the three long open windows subdued the sun-glare, yet the very odor of the cut flowers in the room seemed oppressive, while without could be heard the busy hum of insect life. The baronet's handsome wife, looked cool and comfortable in her gown of white embroidered muslin, her head thrown back upon the silken cushion and her eyes raised to those of the man who was idly smoking a cigarette at her side. The thing grows more and more inexplicable, he was saying to her in a low, strained voice. All the inquiries I've caused to be made in London and in Paris have led to a negative result. We shall only know the truth when we get a peep of those papers in Henry's safe, my dear friend, was the woman's reply. And that's a pretty difficult job. You don't know where the old fellow keeps the key? Only wish I did. Gabrielle knows, no doubt. Then you ought to compel her to divulge, he urged. Once we get hold of that key for half an hour, we could learn a lot. A lot that would be useful to you, eh? remarked the woman with a meaning smile and to you also he said couldn't we somehow watch and see where he hides the safe key he never has it upon him you say it isn't on his bunch then he must have a hiding place for it or it may be on his watch chain remarked the man decisively get rid of all the guests as quickly as you can winnie while they're about there's always a danger of eavesdroppers and watchers I've already announced that I'm going up to Inverness next week, so within the next day or two our friends will all leave. Good. Then the ground will be cleared for action, he remarked, blowing a cloud of smoke from his lips. What's your decision regarding the girl? The same as yours. But she hates me, you know, laughed the man in gray flannel. Yes, but she fears you at the same time, and with her you can do more by fear than by love. True but she's got a spirit of her own, recollect. That must be broken. And what about Walter? Oh, as soon as he finds out the truth, he'll drop her, never fear. He's already rather fond of that tall, dark girl of Dunda's. You saw her at the ball. You recollect her? Flockhart grunted. He was assisting this woman at his side to play a desperate game. This was not, however, the first occasion on which they had acted in conjunction in matters that were not altogether honorable. There had never been any question of affliction between them. The pair regarded each other from a purely business standpoint. People might gossip as much as ever they liked, 
but the two always congratulated themselves that they had never committed the supreme folly of falling in love with each other the woman had married sir henry merely in order to obtain money and position and this man flockhart who for years had been her most intimate associate had ever remained behind her to advise and to help her perhaps had the baronet not been afflicted he would have disapproved of this constant companionship for he would no doubt have overheard in society certain tittle-tattle which though utterly unfounded would not have been exactly pleasant but as he was blind and never went into society he remained in blissful ignorance wrapped up in his mysterious business and hobbies gabrielle on her return from school had at first accepted flockhart as her friend it was he who took her for walks who taught her to cast a fly to shoot rooks and to play the national winter game of scotland curling he had in the first few months of her return home done everything in his power to attract the young girl's friendship while at the same time her ladyship showed herself extraordinarily well disposed towards her within a year however by reasons of various remarks made by people in her presence and on account of the cold disdain with which lady hayburn treated her afflicted father vague suspicions were aroused within her suspicions which gradually grew to hatred until she clung to her father and as his eyes and ears took up a position of open defiance towards her mother and her adventurous friend the situation each day grew more and more strained lady hayburn was even though of humble origin a woman of unusual intelligence in various quarters she had been snubbed and ridiculed but she gradually managed in every case to get the better of her enemies many a man and many a woman had had bitter cause to repent their enmity towards her they marvelled how their secrets became known to her they did not know the power behind her the sinister power of that ingenious and unscrupulous man james flockhart the man who made it his business to know other people's secrets though for years he had been seized with a desire to get at the bottom of sir henry's private affairs he had never succeeded the old baronet was essentially a recluse he kept himself so much to himself and was so careful that no eyes save those of his daughter should see the mysterious documents which came to him so regularly by registered post that all flockhart's efforts and those of lady hayburn had been futile i had another good look at the safe this morning the man went on presently it is one of the best makes and would resist anything except of course the electric current to force it would be to put henry on his guard lady hayburn remarked if we are to know what secrets are there and use our knowledge for our own benefit we must open it with a key and relock it well winnie we must do something we must both have money that's quite evident he said that last five hundred you gave me will stave off ruin for a week or so but after that we must certainly be well supplied or else there may be revelations well which will be as ugly for yourself as for me i know she exclaimed i fully realize the necessity of getting funds the other affair though we worked it so well proved a miserable fiasco and very nearly gave us away into the bargain he declared i tell you frankly winnie that if we can't pay a level five thousand in three weeks time the truth will be out and you know what that will mean he was watching her handsome face as he spoke 
and he noticed how pale and drawn were her features as he referred to certain ugly truths that might leak out yes she gasped i know james we'd both find ourselves under arrest such a contretemps is really too terrible to think of but my dear girl it must be faced he said if we don't get the money can't you work sir henry for a bit more say another thousand make an excuse that you have bills to pay in london dressmakers jewellers milliners any good story will surely do he gives you anything you ask for she shook her head and sighed i fear i've imposed upon his good nature far too much already she answered i know i'm extravagant i'm sorry but can't help it born in me i suppose a few months ago he found out that i'd been paying Meliche a hundred pounds each time to decorate park street with flowers for my wednesday evenings and he created an awful scene he's getting horribly stingy of late yes but the flowers were a bit expensive weren't they he remarked not at all lady fortros the wife of the soap man pays two hundred and fifty pounds for flowers for her house every thursday in the season and mine looked quite as good as hers i think Meliche is much cheaper than anybody else and just because i went to a cheap man henry was horrible he said all sorts of weird things about my reckless extravagance and the suffering poor as though i had anything to do with them the genuine poor are really people like you and me i know he said philosophically lighting another cigarette but all this is beside the point we want money and money we must have in order to avoid exposure you i was a fool to have had anything to do with that other little affair she interrupted it was not only myself who arranged it remember it was you who suggested it because it seemed so easy and because you had an old score to pay off the woman was sacrificed and at the same time an enemy learnt our secret i couldn't help it he protested you let your woman's vindictiveness overstep your natural caution my dear girl if you'd taken my advice there would have been no suspicion lady heyburn was silent she sat regarding the toe of her patent leather shoe fixedly in deep reflection she was powerless to protest she was so entirely in this man's hands well she asked at last stirring uneasily in her chair and suppose we are not able to raise the money what do you anticipate will be the result a rapid reprisal was his answer people like them don't hesitate they act yes i see she remarked in a blank voice they have nothing to lose so they will bring pressure upon us just as we once tried to bring pressure upon them it's all a matter of money we pay the price arranged a mere matter of business but how are we to get the money by getting a glance at what's in that safe he replied once we get to know this mysterious secret of sir henry's i and my friends can get money easily enough leave it all to me but how this matter you will please leave entirely to me winnie he repeated with determination we are both in danger great danger and that being so it is incumbent upon me to act boldly and fearlessly i mean to get the key and see what is within that safe but the girl asked her ladyship within one week from to-day the girl will no longer trouble us he said with an evil glance i do not intend that she shall remain a barrier against our good fortune any longer 
understand that and remain perfectly calm whatever may happen but you surely don't intend you surely will not i shall act as i think proper and without any sentimental advice from you he declared with a mock bow but straightening himself instantly when at the door was heard a fumbling and the grey-bearded man in blue spectacles his thin white hand groping before him slowly entered the room End of chapter 13